Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. On the line with us is Oregon Senator Ron Wyden, uh, one of my two senators, and I'm so glad he is. Wyden.senate.gov is the website. You can tweet him at Ron Wyden, W-Y-D-E-N. And, Senator, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tom, great. And I also like that you're back in Portland to stay. Yeah, well, we're loving it. All three of our kids are here, grandkids, everything. So it's, it's just, it's perfect. So you have done some extraordinary research. You pried 4,000 pages of documents out of the NRA. Strange goings on. Tell us about this. What did you learn about the connection between the NRA, the Republican Party, and Russia? This really focused, and we had the finance staff, I'm the ranking Democrat in the Senate Finance Committee, really dig into this, and it really focused on the run-up to the 2016 election. And I think when you unpack it all, I think there are real questions about whether the NRA leaders may have violated tax laws, because the tax laws prohibit organizational resources being used for personal gain. And in effect, the National Rifle Association pretty much came off as a foreign asset for Russia in the run-up to the election. Specifically how? What they did, and it was very clever, they worked to provide access to the American political system, these NRA insiders, the people at the very top of the organization figured out a way to uh, provide access to our political system to basically advance their personal business interests. That's really what this was all about. And of course, they aren't willing to hand over checks and that kind of thing, but we basically were able to assemble the documentation, making it very clear that what this was was really all about was growing evidence of rampant self-dealing and essentially abusing the organization's tax-exempt status. Now, I remember back in um, the fall of 2010 when the Citizens United decision came down, and uh, in fact, I even think you and I talked about this on the air, uh, John Paul Stevens in his dissent said that under some of the logic that was presented in this uh, Citizens United decision that Tokyo Rose, and that was the example used in the dissent, that Tokyo Rose would have been able to fund American 
politicians and participate in the, in the American political process. To what extent is that sort of, you know, kicking the door open to corruption that the Supreme Court did in that case, has that facilitated the NRA? And, and to what extent might it provide them with a loophole or an escape hatch here? Citizens United is one of the great abominations in terms of, of judicial kind of policy. I mean, the basic proposition of Citizens United is that the rich person's checkbook is exactly the same thing as the poor person shouting on the street corner that this is all content and it's all protected by the First Amendment. That's absurd because the person shouting on the street corner doesn't get anywhere near the visibility that the rich person gets with their checkbook. And you bet Citizens United really opened the door to all kinds of games that can be played by foreign interests. Yeah. So uh, what's next with regard to tracking down the NRA and, and you know, their connections to foreign governments? And are they are they doing this with, any, with or did they do this with any governments other than Russia? Well, what's, what's next is following up with the IRS so they can mm. do their job to see if the documents that we have presented demonstrate what we think uh, is certainly uh, calling into question the NRA's tax-exempt status. And certainly there are going to be conservatives who are going to say, oh, my goodness, we can't touch their tax-exempt status. But tax-exempt laws are supposed to be for protecting the kinds of considerations that go into public policy and get you a tax exemption, not used for your personal benefit. And that's what mm -hmm. I think uh, the IRS needs to do is to investigate publicly reported activities of the NRA you know, leaders. They need to investigate the 2015 trip that was taken to Russia, which they have denied. The NRA has denied that it was an official trip. You know, the NRA paid expenses and the like, and we came up with a lot of documentation making it clear it was a, a official trip, so the NRA wasn't straight about that either. Fascinating. Keep us up to date on that. I, I, this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. In the meantime, we're in the midst of this impeachment drama. I'm not sure if drama is the exact right word, but it certainly seems like there's plenty of that coming out of D.C. right now. What's your take on the whole situation and where we're going with it? This is far and away the most troubling aspect of the Trump administration as it relates to conflicts and abuse of power. For example, if you look at the Mueller investigation, we were always dealing with six degrees of separation. In other words, you would have one Trump campaign official talking to another campaign official talking to another one talking to a fourth. Now you have no buffers. You just have one president, Donald Trump, talking to the Ukrainian president. No buffers, and it's very clear Donald Trump is engaged in what I think almost everybody would regard as an abuse of power. He was asking another foreign leader to help him in the 2020 election, to, in effect, gather information that would have... Uh, another government helping Donald Trump in an election. Yeah, yeah, it's remarkable. Now, are you part of a whistleblower caucus? Do I have that right? Yes, I'm the co-chair of the uh, United States Senate Whistleblower Caucus, and I've made it a special priority to focus on protecting the rights of whistleblowers. And, of course, that has come front and center in this debate as well, the president denying it whistleblower and this kind of thing. I think, you know, clearly what 
this whistleblower has done is very credible. First of all, it tracks uh, the transcript. So I think already you're starting with a situation where what he's saying and he's talking about leaders, a number of leaders who talked with him about the points that he was he was making. And uh, I think there are gaps in the whistleblower law that are going to come to light as a result of this. There are reverberations all through the whistleblower community right now. A lot of whistleblowers really frightened about their ability to speak truth to power. And my sense is we're going to have to strengthen this law, and I'll be uh, very much involved in that as co-chair of the Whistleblower Caucus. Ed Snowden has written a book, and apparently he's, I haven't read it, but apparently he one of the main points he makes is that he didn't trust the whistleblower process, that he had seen people get eaten up and spit out or, or simply fired or dismissed or whatever. And he was quite certain that if he went through that process, his stuff would never go anywhere, and which is why he did what he did, and he ended up in Russia. We now have a, you know, a credible whistleblower who literally dotted every I and crossed every T. And yesterday, the president of the United States called for his execution, which has got to have a chilling effect on whistleblowers and on anybody who might think about talking to whistleblowers. It seems to me like we've got a real problem with our whistleblower laws. There is no question, Tom, that the whistleblower statute is going to need to be strengthened. I can't get into classified issues since I'm on the Senate Intelligence Committee, but I think the law needs to be strengthened, and I think also there has certainly been, over the last week or 10 days, a return to what a lot of whistleblowers feel is a culture of intimidation. You know, that's the way it has been for so many years. When we do manage to get the laws strengthened, we got some changes in the recent intelligence authorization bill, but I'm telling you, without going into classified matters, the laws are going to have to be strengthened. Yeah, that sounds like a really good thing. Senator Wyden, thanks for the great work you're doing for us Oregonians in Washington, D.C., and for the nation, frankly. And thanks for dropping by. Thanks, Tom. Good to hear you're one of the us Oregonians again. I like it. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> Thank Talk you. to you again. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Our book today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is Treason and Betrayal, The Rise and Fall of Individual One by Kenneth Ford McCallion. This is from the prologue. It was a gray, overcast day in Washington on January 20th, 2017, the day that Donald J. Trump was sworn in as 45th President of the United States. The weather matched the mood of the majority of Americans who had voted for Hillary Clinton, but whose candidate was denied the election as a result of an anachronistic electoral college system, a lackluster Clinton campaign that had ignored key battleground states such as Michigan and Wisconsin, and of course substantial help from the Russians. But the most significant assault on American democracy did not result from the illegal hacking and cyber attacks by Russian agents on our electoral system and social media. Rather, it came from Donald Trump's full-scale assault on American ideals and values, which had long been this country's most powerful weapon in its arsenal of democracy. In his grim inauguration speech, Trump basically announced the end of American exceptionalism, the hallowed concept and conviction that the United States has a special mission and place in history. Instead of extolling the virtues of our democracy and calling upon its citizens to raise the torch of liberty in every corner of this country and around the world, Trump took the cynical view that the United States was no better or worse than Russia or any other authoritarian country, and that all our government should be doing is to put America first by concentrating on building our country's economic wealth over all other considerations, and by not worrying about other concerns such as human rights or even democratic rights and freedoms around the world. 
Trump's denouncement of America's commitment to liberty and justice for all was a frontal attack on the guiding principles forming the bedrock of our democracy and America's faith in itself and in its transcendent mission. The Declaration of Independence had been a clarion call that resonated not only on this continent, but around the world, declaring that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness was the cherished goal of all Americans and freedom-loving people the world over. Now, Trump was seeking to extinguish that fire by declaring that America was no longer the beacon of liberty and that every country, especially Russia, should be permitted to do whatever they wanted in their own country and its own sphere of influence. And that if they dismembered neighboring countries or slaughtered their own people who were fighting for greater civil and human rights, that this was of no importance to the United States. In other words, Trump was articulating precisely what Putin and others in the Kremlin wanted to hear, which is that Trump would give them the green light to rebuild the Russian Empire without fear of opposition or retaliation by the U.S. In doing so, Trump was demonstrating that he was a traitor to the traditional American democratic ideals. The enduring concept of American exceptionalism dates back to French writer Alexis de Tocqueville's reflections on America in his 1835 work, Democracy in America, where he concluded, quote, the position of the Americas is therefore quite exceptional, and it may be believed that no democratic people will ever be placed in a similar one, end quote. Abraham Lincoln echoed this theme of American uniqueness when he noted in his Gettysburg Address in 1863 that one of the things that sets us apart from all of the countries in history is the sacred duty of the United States to ensure that the government of the people, of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from this earth. Since the end of the Civil War and up until January 20th, 2017, the idea of American exceptionalism has infused the rhetoric of virtually every modern president and political leader. In April 1917, near the end of the First World War, President Woodrow Wilson exhorted Americans to fulfill the country's destiny to make the world safe for democracy. In his State of the Union address in January 1941, when the future of liberal democracies in a world war against fascism hung in the balance, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt sent a message to its besieged democratic allies around the world, reassuring them that, quote, we Americans are vitally concerned in your defense of freedom. We are putting forth our energies, our resources, and our organizing powers to give you the strength to regain and maintain a free world. This is our purpose and our pledge, end quote. Fifty-eight years ago, in his inaugural speech in January 1961, President John F. Kennedy reminded Americans that it was our country's fundamental duty to protect human rights at home and around the world. He pledged that Americans would bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure that survival and the success of liberty. Ronald Reagan inspired us with his soaring rhetoric about America being a shining city on the hill, a beacon for freedom, hope, and liberty that was and always will be the model and example for all the world. President Obama, in April 2009, publicly acknowledged America's, quote, extraordinary role in leading the world toward peace and prosperity, end quote, while cautioning that such a lofty goal could only be achieved through effective partnerships with other countries. He also often reminded us that America is, at its core, a good and caring nation that must work tirelessly in the cause of democracy and human rights all around the world. With Trump, this powerful concept of American exceptionalism, which has been enshrined in our nation's psyche for almost 200 years, was declared to be dead and buried, or so Donald Trump and his enablers would like us to believe. In the immortal words of Stephen Colbert, Trump, in his easily forgettable inaugural speech, basically compared America to a dumpster fire. 
America's longstanding mission to preserve and protect the causes of democracy, freedom, and human rights around the world had, according to Trump, virtually devastated the country. Treason and Betrayal is the book. Until last year, I'd never endorsed a weight loss product, but I decided to change that because after reading about university research into a molecule in olive oil that regulates appetite, my wife convinced me that there was one that was worth sharing. Well, a year later, I'd have to say she was right. Louise said once her appetite and cravings were under control, losing weight was easy and she's kept it off. I've also heard from listeners that it worked for them. The fact that the only ingredient in Riduzone occurs naturally in the body and is completely non-stimulant has appealed to folks as well. And now even my producer, Sean, is trying this out. Listen, if you're looking to try to lose weight this season, I strongly suggest you give non-prescription Riduzone a try. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and get up to 65% off plus free shipping. You heard that right, 65% off plus free shipping. Go to Riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. R-I-D-U-Zone.com. Riduzone.com. Use the promo code TOM for your 65% off plus free shipping. Well, lots and lots and lots and lots of news here. And let me just go through some of the stuff with you. Number one, two newspapers now have come out and called for Donald Trump to resign. Not for impeachment, but for him actually right now, this very minute, to step down. The first was the Connecticut Post, and this was from the editorial board. This is the official voice of the newspaper, and this is, by the way, a Hearst newspaper. So this is part of a large chain. They say it's not clear how much worse the Ukraine scandal will get. The summary of the phone call was released by the White House without need for a subpoena, but it's apparently abridged. So that was my point, the ellipses, and does not represent all the whistleblower complaint that set the issue in motion. It's easy to imagine that what we don't know could be much worse than what we do. But what we do know is enough. And because it's from the president himself, there's no reason to question its veracity. This is the point. You know, Trump's toadies on TV this weekend were all saying, well, it's all secondhand. No, this transcript is actually firsthand. These are Trump's own words. Anyhow, but back to the uh, Connecticut Post. What we do know, this is ctpost.com, you can find this, by the way. What we do know is enough, and and because it's from the president himself, there's no reason to question its veracity. There's no going back from here. The long, bumpy ride of the Trump era may have turned a corner, but it's nowhere near over. So they're calling for him to step down. The headline is, editorial colon, President Trump needs to step down. That was on Friday. And then the uh, editorial board of the St. Louis Times-Dispatch came out and said the same thing. This is stltoday.com. They say, make no mistake. First of all, they start out trying to uh, throw a bone to the Republicans and, you know, acknowledging that Trump just did, his campaign just did a $10 million ad buy with an ad that says that Joe Biden was withholding aid to Ukraine until they fired a prosecutor who was investigating his son, Hunter. Now, that prosecutor was not, in fact, investigating his son, Hunter. That investigation had happened a year or two before and was over and done with, and they didn't find anything. As the current prosecutor has said for the record, he talked to CNN over the weekend, in fact. But this lying ad of Donald Trump's is literally on TV all across the nation right now as we speak. So the editorial board addresses that, and they address it in a way that 
frankly, Joe Biden is going to have to address. They say, make no mistake, there's a troubling coincidence between former Vice President Joe Biden's intervention in 2014 to urge the ouster of Ukraine's chief prosecutor and son Hunter Biden's appointment to the board of a gas company owned by a corrupt Russia-friendly Ukrainian oligarch. Hunter Biden received upwards of 50 grand a month in that role, a shocking change of fortunes for someone who had just been dismissed from the Navy Reserve for testing positive for cocaine. If Joe Biden was involved in illegality, let the Justice Department initiate an investigation and follow leads. But so far, five years after these developments, investigators seem not to have uncovered prosecutable violations. So that's the uh, throw a bone to the dog part of it. But then they go on. This is the St. Louis Times Dispatch. Then they go on, juxtaposed with Trump's inexplicable decision before July to suspend nearly $400 million in aid to Ukraine, there is more than ample justification for the House of Representatives to proceed with its impeachment inquiry. How far must a president go in betraying his country before Republicans finally declare that he no longer represents their values? How much crisis, chaos, and scandal can Republicans, exhausted from constantly defending him, tolerate before they decide enough is enough? The time has come, again, this is from the editorial board, this is the official voice of this newspaper, the St. Louis Times-Dispatch, no bleeding liberal publication. The time has come for Republicans to stand up for the Constitution, stand up for America, and tell Trump to step down. Now, that's the message, by the way, that numerous newspapers across the country and Barry Goldwater and Everett Dirksen conveyed to Richard Nixon. Before this even gets to a vote, resign. And Nixon was like, okay, I'll do it. I don't think Trump's going to, but, you know, expect this. So just to recap, Donald Trump has pressured the president of Ukraine to intervene in our 2020 election, next year's election, on Trump's behalf. And we have the transcript. This is not secondhand stuff. We have the transcript. He urged a foreign country to intervene in the 2016 election. Russia, if you're listening, right? Remember that? That in and of itself should be an impeachable offense. No president in the history of the United States has ever asked a foreign country to help him get elected. He told foreign officials, specifically Lavrov, and Lavrov is a Russian foreign minister and the Russian ambassador, whose name has escaped me. Anyhow, he told them he outed an Israeli intelligence officer, he burned an intelligence asset who was tracking down ISIS. And now we've learned just in the last few days that he said to them, you know, you guys intervening in the election to help me out. And presumably what he's talking about specifically was not hacking voting machines. Presumably what he was talking about was releasing Hillary Clinton's emails. But who knows? But basically, he said, you know, you guys intervening in the election to help me out, that's just fine. All is forgiven. Don't worry. Because we do the same thing at other people's elections. And, you know, in fact, we have. But that doesn't justify Trump asking for this kind of help and welcoming this kind of help. That means that, that you know, our ugly past has become our ugly present. We'll be right back. So I shared with you an email that I got from Donald Trump. You're coming after me. Please, Fred, join the official impeachment defense task force. 
By the way, there are stories suggesting that Trump actually is putting together, or the Trump 2020 campaign is putting together, uh, using donor money, an official impeachment defense task force, and that Corey Lewandowski may be in charge of it. So I shared that email with you. I just got another one. Trump, Pence, Keep America Great 2020. This one is from Don Jr. We heard from Daddy earlier. Now we're hearing from Junior. Fred, what do you do in your front row? See, I'm telling you, this is, Trump is going to be beating this drum so loud. Right wing hate radio. It's going to be nothing but Hunter Biden and corrupt Ukrainian oligarchs and gas companies and Joe Biden's involvement with it. This is what they wanted to do in September of next year if Joe Biden was the nominee. And they, they're all assuming Biden will be the nominee. This was going to be their September, October surprise. And they were just lining it all up. But now it's out. So now they've got to run with it. So here it is. Fred, what do you do when your frontrunner is a sleepy 76-year-old man embroiled in a massive corruption scandal? Massive in all caps. I'll emphasize the words in all caps. If you're Nancy Pelosi, you blame President Trump and call for an impeachment inquiry. A Ukrainian energy company knew that Joe Biden was for sale, so they gave his son $50,000 a month to sit on their board, despite having no previous relevant experience in the energy sector. Nancy Pelosi wants you to believe that was President Trump's fault. Every single poll shows that the American people are overwhelmingly against impeachment. But Nancy would rather listen to her left-wing big-money donors and her friends in the socialist squad. The battle lines have been drawn, and President Trump needs to know if you're on his team. He's asking you to join the official impeachment task force today, Fred. Join today and your donation will be double matched. Note, if you've saved your payment information, your donation will go through immediately. Contribute $45 by 11.59 p.m. tonight and join the official impeachment task force and your contribution will instantly be doubled. Here's my account number and my deadline and my double match and everything. Oh, it's so thrilling. These guys are twisting in the wind. They are freaking out with a capital F. Anthony in Detroit. Hey, Anthony, what's on your mind today? I'm Anthony Carbonero. I'm running for Congress in Michigan's 12th congressional district. I want to talk about page two of the transcript. Okay. See the Ukrainian presence and who say, we want to drain the swamp in our country as well. So we see a different issue here. Oh, the transcript. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've got a whistleblower complaint in front of me. Let me find the transcript. Here it is. Okay, page two. Got it. He says, we want to drain the swap in our country as well. You know, and then we see this other issue here. This is why many progressives, such as myself, are saying that there might not be any collusion. And this actually might be an issue of more of inauthentic politics, more of the establishment pulling their strings against our own country. This might be bipartisan marketing scheme between both Trump and the established Democrat. Yeah, uh, no, Anthony. I'm uh, not buying it. Why don't you see that, though? Because, because, <laughs> because there's no because evidence that the Democrats are in on this. Yeah, but listen, they're singling him out against all the other Democrat candidates. Even Trump said 9-11 was inside Biden. You're singling Biden. out Biden? Well, that's because he's been the frontrunner for a year. Yeah, of course he is, but he's part of the establishment. He's well, of course, you know, you know, I get no- that, but but you know, the, the the Trump Trump took down Hillary Clinton to the extent that he did. Trump took down Hillary Clinton by smearing her. Donald Trump has nothing to offer the American people. I mean, he campaigned on a bunch of things that we now know, and even his voters now know he couldn't do. Some of them, actually, I suppose he could. He he, tra- he campaigned on you know that he was going to trash people of color. He's done that. 
right? His, his racist wall, although Mexico's not paying for it, apparently children of the U.S. military are paying for the wall. But he also campaigned on bringing our jobs back home, and instead we've seen more job losses. He campaigned on cleaning up Washington, D.C., and instead we're finding all these corrupt former lobbyists running all the major agencies in, in Washington, D.C., from the FCC to the EPA. He was going to lower taxes for middle-class people and raise taxes on rich people. He said, I'm going to take a bath. It's really going to hurt me. He lied about all those things. And so Americans are figuring out that he lied about all those things. But the main thing that he did was he smeared Hillary Clinton. And, you know, with a little help from his friends. And so he's looking at 2020, and, and the, literally July 24th was the day that Fox News published a poll showing that he was losing to Joe Biden by 10 points. 10 points is not inconsequential. That's losing big. He's watching Fox all day on the 24th of July and freaking out. And the next day, just by coincidence, they had scheduled this phone conversation with the president of Ukraine. And he has been working this thing. Him and Rudy in the background have been working this thing for six months, you know, going all the way back to April. Sean Hannity actually got him on board with this on the air on Fox News in April, talking about how CrowdStrike was actually the hack on the DNC server. It came out of Ukraine. It didn't come out of Russia. And it was actually CrowdStrike, the, 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 the company the DNC brought in, was actually lying that it was Russians. And then the intelligence agencies were lying. And, you know, quack, quack, quack. So Giuliani's working this thing and the Biden kid, you know, Hunter Biden. And so he's on the phone with the guy and he just can't stop himself. He's like, you know, Zelensky is like, I need some anti-tank missiles, please. And Trump is like, yeah, and I need a favor. And had it not leaked and had Ukraine come up with some dirt on Biden, manufactured or otherwise, we wouldn't be hearing about it until the middle of next year, probably late summer, early fall. But it leaked, and so you know now now Trump is all over this, and I, I just don't see you know the Democrats having anything to do with this. Rose in Flemington, New Jersey, listening to WBAI. Hey, Rose, what's up? The idea that Jared Kushner had tried to get large multi-billion-dollar loan from Qatar. It was one billion dollars, and it was from a yeah. sovereign wealth fund that Qatar was the major investor in. And, yes. Right, and then at the time, the um, Saudis evidently blockaded or did something to the cutter. They did, yeah. But I think it needs to be discussed in great detail because it's just all part of the same craziness. You know? I agree. I agree. And what happened was the blockade went away once Cutter said yes and gave a billion dollars to Jared Kushner so he could pay off the loans that were coming due in six months or within the year. I'm not sure exactly how many months, but it was less than a year on 666 Fifth Avenue in New York. Let's, yeah, let's see if we can get some more information on that because that should be top priority right now. Yeah. Nepotism is as old as Mount Rushmore. And <laughs> yeah. we're always going to have this insanity going on. But when somebody starts defending and, and attacking and acting like like a mob boss and they're going to get their hitman after people, this is not America anymore. This is uh, this is a wacko land. Amazing yeah. what years of drugs can do to people, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, this is Donald Trump, and, and, and this new movie coming out, Where's My Roy Cohn, just lays it out. You know, the Trump's mob connections, Roy yeah. Cohn's mob connections, 
It's just amazing stuff, Rose. It's just amazing. I ran into him once, and he was probably the most physically repulsive face I've ever seen. He just had a scowl. Huh. He, he was rotting from the inside out at that point. Yeah. Um, but the things he did, I watched the HUAC with my grandfather. back. House on American Activities Committee. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, doing it. Then he did anyway after the Rosenbergs. I mean, right. you this know, the, the guy has just, and, and he's been advising tax yeah. uh, issues. And, and the question is this, when are the American people going to say, oh, the miracle is not the miracle we think it is? When are they going to start to look at things with a, what they call the Gimlet eye and say, hey, wait a minute. What I think it's already started, Rosen. I think the, the lie of neoliberalism that Ronald Reagan gave us that was then yeah. picked up and carried by Clinton and Obama, that mm-hmm. is falling apart right in front of us. The idea that public service is a way to enrich yourself and your family, which mm-hmm. is you know coming back to bite Joe Biden in the butt. A bunch of these things that we accepted for a long time where we thought, well, maybe it won't be so bad, or maybe it's even a good thing, you know, neoliberalism, yeah, austerity, sure. We're discovering that these were all lies and they were all designed basically to protect the interests of one particular economic class, the top 1% to the disadvantage of all the rest of us. Rose, I gotta run, that that music means we're, we're, thank you very much for the call. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Most of the Democrats have figured this out, but keep an eye on the Republicans, particularly in the Senate. This is going to get real interesting. You're listening to Tom Hartman. So picture your face in the mirror. Do you see all those wrinkles around your eyes? How about crow's feet or those large under eye bags? Now imagine they're gone. I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery, just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It's the edge you've been looking for. Don't believe it? I didn't either until I tried it. Now, I don't have to imagine it anymore. I look like me, but 10 years younger. Simply put, I'm blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself at work or out with friends. And the best part is, Plexiderm goes on clear, so nobody will know you're using it, unless you tell them, of course. Go to TryPlexiderm.com and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M, for 50% off, plus an additional 10 bucks off. That's right, 50% off, plus an extra $10 off. This offer is only available by calling one 800 685-1292 and mentioning the code TOM, T-H-O-M. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit TryPlexiderm.com today and use the code TOM, T-H-O-M at checkout. That's TryPlexiderm.com. Jeff in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind? Lawrence O'Donnell said that you don't want to be too narrow or limited in how many articles of impeachment you send over to the Senate. It's best to give the Republicans in the Senate the ability to vote no on some of them while still voting yes for at least one or more. Pursuant to that, Tom, including emoluments violations would not only be more than justified, but it, it may also be strategic. Furthermore, who knows how many more impeachable offenses are contained on that secret server. Those could be the 2019 version of the Watergate tapes. Yep. So what do you think, Tom? How comprehensive and thorough would you be in drawing up the articles of impeachment? Well, you know, Lawrence used to work in the Senate, and I never did. And, and, I, and so I'm not an authority on Senate rules. I was assuming that 
each senator would have to vote up or down on on a collection of articles of impeachment, yes or no, basically on the whole thing as one essentially bill, like a piece of legislation. Uh, it's certainly how it is done with legislation. A senator can't say, you know, yeah, I, uh, on this tax bill, I like the part that gives me a tax break, but I don't like the part that gives, you know, Warren Buffett a tax break, and so uh, I'm going to split my vote. You can't do that. I was assuming that that's how it worked with impeachment, but it sounds like what you're saying is that Lawrence is saying that each separate article of impeachment is broken out and they can vote yes or no on each one. Is that Did he clearly say that, yeah. Jeff? That's what it sounded. That's how I understood it. And that really did seem to be the gist of what he was saying. Because this was yeah. required two different strategies. I mean, if it's take it or leave it all or nothing, then you want it to be super narrow focused and super unambiguous and super obvious. Right. This guy had this mm -hmm. conversation with Zelensky. He was trying to shake down a foreign leader. That's a violation of the Constitution. Uh, that's an, a, a, a literally a high crime. In other words, the abuse of high office. And uh, therefore, he should be impeached. On the other hand, if, if they can pick and choose, and I don't know the answer to the question, Jeff, and, and I'll try to find out, but if they can pick and choose, then that would argue in favor of the throw everything against the wall mode so that each senator can, can find what they like. But then the question is, uh, you know, if, if uh, you know, one Republican senator votes on Article 3 of 10 and another Republican votes on Article 7 of 10, do those both count as removing from office votes? Or do they all have to, you know, does he have to have 60, do they have to get 67 votes all on Article 3, for example? So I've got some Senate rules figuring out to do, and let me see what I can find out, okay? All right, Tom, sounds great. Good talking to you. Walter in Wheaton, Illinois. Hey, Walter, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, thanks for taking my call. I've got a question about statute of limitations. I've been looking on the Internet, and there's a, something called tolling of the statute of limitations. Have you heard of that? No. Okay. Well, tolling means that if somebody is not available for prosecution, say like uh, in a state situation, the person has committed a crime in one state and he goes to another state and the state can't get him back to prosecute him, or he's in hiding or something so they can't find him to prosecute him, they can go ahead and toll the statute of limitations. So they freeze the test statute of limitations at the time that they can't get hold of this person. And once that person becomes available, the statute of limitations again start up. So it's now with Trump being in office and he can't be prosecuted because of his office, right. can they toll the statute of limitations on his crimes and once he gets out of office, renew the statute of limitations? This is the first time I've ever heard of this, Walter. My guess is that this would be something that would be unique to the state laws on statutes of limitation and perhaps only unique to a few states. Um, with regard to the federal statute of limitations, I know that, you know, I've heard from at least one constitutional law professor that uh, they were concerned that the statute of limitations on campaign finance violations is five years. Um, the, the campaign finance violation that Donald Trump committed uh, that Michael Cohen is rotting in jail for right now, paying off Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal. Um, that campaign finance violation, the statute of limitations runs out in the middle of what would be either the first year of his second term or the first year you know, after he gets out of office if he loses. And they mm -hmm. were concerned that if he got reelected, he would, he would, you know, the statute of limitations would allow him to skate. So I'm guessing that this tolling process that you're describing does not apply to federal statutes of limitations. And like I said, therefore, if it does exist, as you've described it, and I can't 
say yes or no, that yeah. it probably is just, you know, some states that do it. I know this, some other states definitely don't do it because there have been some fairly high profile cases where states wanted to prosecute people for fairly heinous crimes and weren't able to because of the statute of limitations. And, and their state legislatures, you see a lot of this, with the, particularly after the Catholic uh, sex abuse scandals, uh, the state legislatures came back and they changed the, the length of time for the statute. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, so I'm guessing that that's the case. Walter, I'm sorry I don't have a definitive answer for you, but that's, that's the best I can do. Melody in Atlanta. Hey, Melody, what's up? If 45 is impeached and resigns or is removed or subsequently leaves office because he's not reelected, all of the consequences in places like where I live in Georgia, where one of the worst abortion bans has been enacted, forced birth, all kinds of EPA regulations rolled back, all these terrible things that have been put in place, along with all the judges that have been put in place going forth well after all these guys are gone, um, these officials are gone. Is there any way for their legal liability and showing that they're not good in protecting our government and stable as far as our national security? The, Can, is there the any way to do that, that legally? Are, are you talking about Trump's judicial appointments? Yes, his judicial appointments and all of the the things that he's rolled back himself through executive order. Oh, yeah. His like executive he, orders can be reversed in short order by somebody else who comes in. That's how he was able to right. reverse so many of Obama's executive orders. Executive, you know, the executive can reverse an executive order. Judges have lifetime appointments, and there's no way to, to stop oh, that right. or block that or reverse that short of impeachment. You can't impeach individual judges. Um, it, it has been done a few times with district judges over the years. It's, it was attempted once uh, with Justice Chase back in the day. Uh, back in the late 1700s or maybe early 1800s, uh, it was not successful. It's never been used successfully against a Supreme Court justice. So with regard to the judges, I think by and large, we're stuck. As far as the executive orders and, and that kind of damage, that's easily repaired uh, relatively easily. Some of it is going to, you know, there's going to be some lasting damage. And with regard to his appointees, those all get swept out and they get replaced. Melody, great question. Thank you for the call. Peter in Seattle. Hey, Peter, what's up? Why, with all of the investigation and talk about Trump, why isn't there more coming out about him as a Russian asset? The fact that he's basically his extensive business dealings with the Russian oligarchs, that he's he's owned by them. And, you know, in all of the election interference and now with the, with the Ukraine situation, there's still not... I think it's just a, a real central point. The evidence that we would have of that would be found with his tax returns and financial records and the testimony of people within the Trump organization who have uh, in some cases been subpoenaed. Some of them were uh, some of them testified before the Mueller grand jury. And even Congress does not yet have access to that testimony. Uh, Bill Barr has been blocking it very aggressively and very successfully. I mean, we all saw him in Helsinki, you know, have a, a two hour meeting with with Putin and then tear up the notes and then come out and defend Putin and, and trash our own intelligence services, which is probably a pretty horrible day for anybody working in any of the intelligence services in this country. But the, the smoking gun has not yet been uncovered the way it was with Zelensky over the weekend. You know, I think that that's the reason, Peter. We'll see. I, I think it'll come out. Thanks for the call. Eric in Erie, Pennsylvania. Hey, Eric, what's up? 
I'm picking up where uh, Walter left off a few minutes ago. Uh, that was what occurred to me on the statute of limitations. And given that the directive there, the prohibition on prosecuting a president, that's limited to only an opinion memo uh, out of the Justice Department. I was going to suggest that an addendum to that memo should be filed as soon as possible. I know Trump's own Justice Department won't do it, but to to halt and freeze the statute of limitations uh, while a president is in office. And, uh, you know, it would be in the interest of the country, really, to not see a sitting president go through a prosecution. It it could make us vulnerable to all kinds of stuff. So I think it's a good idea to not... You know, I went back and read the 2000 president. OLC memo. Mm-hmm. I haven't yet read the one from the original Nixon era, but I read the one from the Clinton era, which probably half the memo is excerpts from the original one, from the Nixon one. Right. And they build a pretty strong case that it's not appropriate to charge a sitting president with a crime, but you can do it as soon as he gets out of office. And that would, as you correctly point out, argue strongly for suspending the statute of limitations. The problem is neither the Department of Justice nor Congress have the ability to do that ad hoc, you know, just to this. They would, they would have to pass a law. Congress would have to pass a law and the president would have to sign it or the law would have to sustain a veto or a pocket veto in order to become law. And uh, I, I just, I don't right. see and that happening. And it's 22 with yeah. this president. Of course, of course, just, you know, and, and now he's arguing that he, as president, he cannot even be investigated for crimes. I mean, this is the latest thing coming out of, the, out of Bill Barr and the Justice Department. It's nuts. Eric, thank you for the call. Well said. Pete in Dunbury, Wisconsin. Hey, Pete, what's on your mind? I'm a 30-year retired military reservist and a couple of commanding officers ago that I had had spent a tour as a senior watch officer in the White House Situation Room. And he told me, without going into any specific detail, one of the more interesting responsibilities he had was monitoring all of the presidential phone calls and making detailed notes because there were no audio recordings. Right. So there should be very detailed, specific notes that were oh, made they're, by they're, they're damn close to verbatim. Yeah. I mean, if they had three guys yeah. banging away as fast as they could, yeah. they probably captured every single word. Yep, yep. And, and that's how the system works because there are no audio recordings. Right. Yeah. Yeah, good one, Pete. Thank you very much for sharing that. Okay. I'm, I'm with yep. you. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Louise and I like to climb a, uh, you know, it's a giant hill. And uh, boy, do we get sore after that. It's good. I mean, you get out of breath. It's good for your heart and all that kind of stuff. But uh, that's when we come home and we take some New Leaf Natural CBD oil uh, to, to just kind of ease the aches and pains. It's non, CBD oil is not intoxicating. So it's great for people who want the health benefits of cannabinoids without the mind-altering effects of medical marijuana. And CBD is not toxic. It's non-toxic. It has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. And the brand I, I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. New Leaf Naturals is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, contains no additional additives, grown in the United States. And the only ingredient is hemp. So the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's N-U-LeafNaturals.com, 
And you can save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. That's newleaf, N-U-LeafNaturals.com for premium cannabinoid wellness. There's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. Lowell in Salem, Oregon. Hey, Lowell, what's on your mind? Uh, hey, Tom. Uh, so I wanted to ask if there's a way we can protect this whistleblower in the Trump administration, because the previous administration set a precedent for prosecuting whistleblowers. Chelsea Manning is currently being tortured in solitary confinement. Again. Again, yes. Yeah. And reality winner and of all the lessons in this thing, in this whistleblower thing, I think probably one of the most sad is that Ed Snowden was absolutely right. Yes, and I wanted to bring up the fact that if Julian Assange was still free, this whistleblower might have been able to release that on WikiLeaks. That's, that's a possibility, although WikiLeaks seems to have become, in fairly short order, more of an international political actor than simply a, a site that was releasing information. There's, there are a couple of different groups that have claimed that they fed information to WikiLeaks that would have been embarrassing to the governments of Russia and some of the other more autocratic countries that are former Soviet states, and, you know, it never got released. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure that Julian Assange was a, an honest broker. Well, the Russian, they validated items, and they released damning stuff on Putin as well. So yeah. I, I'm not sure if that okay. is a well, uh, fair attack good, good on point. that. point. Yeah, it, it may not be. It may not be. And I think there's a hole. Now that WikiLeaks isn't there, the, the Washington Post and the New York Times both have websites where they say you can drop stuff anonymously, but I'm guessing for something at this level, people would be very, very wary of that. Thanks a lot, Lowell. Good to hear from you. Steve in Topanga, California. Hey, Steve, what's up? I just wanted to, to my understanding, the Mueller report has not been given to the unredacted to the House Oversight Committees yet. That's correct. And, 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 and we do not have an un, unredacted uh, transcript of this telephone conversation either, as far as I can tell. Exactly. And Bill Barr has his footprints all over this new transcript. It's yeah. Bill Barr's playbook to stall, find ways to get government criminals off, and that's why he was hired. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He should that's... be indicted and criminally prosecuted along with Trump. Yeah. This People is... go to jail every day on circumstantial evidence. John Mitchell went whistle... to prison. He was the attorney general for Richard Nixon. Yeah, and you know, the whistleblower report is being billboard just like the Mueller report. I think so. I agree with and you. And last thing is, where's your bumper music come from? Uh, why? Because I like it. Oh, <laughs> we bought it from a company that does bumper music for radio shows back 15 years ago or 10 years ago, something like that. So, you know, it's been around for That's quite great. a while. I've been curious for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot for the call, Steve. It's good to hear from you. Kevin in Tracy, California. Hey, Kevin, what's on your mind today? You always say don't give in to despair, right. which is hard for me, but I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic. And I wanted to just follow up briefly on what Naomi Klein just mentioned a little while ago that, you know, it really needs to be emphasized that if Trump does get a second term, how much in danger we all are. 
Yes. Yeah, her point, and she made it and then we kind of moved on, but I think it was a really important point, is that Modi in India has just started his second term. And what did he do? He shut down Kashmir. He took a really, really aggressive step that he would have been reluctant to do in his first term. And I believe, I agree with Naomi Klein that this is Donald Trump's first term and that if he's not stopped now from engaging in criminal behavior and exploiting people's fears and demonizing otherwise marginalized people, he's going to come back twice as strong, twice as filled with rage, twice as effective a proponent of hate in the United States. And that could be a pressure that this country can't withstand. Jonathan in Portland. Hey, Jonathan, what's on your mind? I wanted to talk about the Republicans on the Intelligence Committee. I recommend everyone go on C-SPAN, watch the entire hearing, because it's incredible, and you'll never get the real story until you really watch it. But look at some of the people, the Republicans on the committee. There's Mike Conway, okay? He's actually not running for re-election, but he was in bed with George Bush with Arbusto Energy in the 80s, and one of their original financiers was James Bath, who was a, an investor for the Saudis and Salam bin Laden. And then you have Mike Turner. And uh, <clears throat> Turner... Um, are these Republicans or Democrats? Republicans. These are okay. Republicans. Okay. okay. These are the guys on the committee that were asking the questions yesterday. And, by the way, all of them, it was kind of comical because all of them were essentially threatening the, D the DNI, saying, you know, watch what you say because the news is going to pick this stuff up. You right. know? So they were sort of strong-arming him. Well, they were alternating between threatening him that way and then trying to portray him as the victim. You know, these, these Democrats keep impugning your character and your integrity. I, I'm so sorry, for, you know, that you have to tolerate this when, you know, by and large, the Democrats were not doing that. But anyhow. Well, yeah, they're professional victims, you know. Yeah, the Republicans um, are, yes. But uh, <clears throat> Mike Turner, he was listed as one of the most corrupt members of Congress for enrichment of his self, family, and friends and solicitation of gifts. So he's just, he's just like Trump. Right. Then you got Chris Stewart, and Chris Stewart actually called Trump Benito Mussolini in 2016, and he said to us, he said to uh, a group at the Hinckley Institute, he said that if you're a Trump supporter, you see the world differently because I can't imagine what you're thinking. <laughs> and then you got Brad and Wenstrup did everything he possibly could to quash the Russia investigation. And you know, you know as well as I do, they had five committees for two years going after Clinton with Benghazi and found absolutely nothing. Right. But these guys are filthy, dirty. Yeah, yeah. I uh, and and I think broadly, you'll find that across the Republican caucus, you know, the Republicans in the House of Representatives, because they have nothing to offer 99 percent of Americans. They live to serve their billionaire masters and, and, and I, the corporations that own them. Yeah. I just want to say quickly, Snowden got nailed because he was a contractor. He wasn't working for the government, and that's why the whistleblower statutes don't apply to him. I believe there is a whistleblower provision that According would extend to, him, to contractors. That I heard on the radio yesterday that's that was that's why he's living in in Moscow because yeah. he you know he's he's not considered protected. I thought he just didn't think that the whistleblower process would treat him fairly after what happened with no, John Kiriakou. He's being, and, he's being charged with the Espionage Act of right. 1917, and that doesn't allow for a defense. It just you just say whether you're guilty or innocent. Well, but that's, that's the that's thing. It. If you go through the whistleblower channels, you're you're putting in a preemptive defense. You're no longer, you know, revealing secrets. You are you are engaged in a completely different process. 
But I think that's why they outsource all this stuff. Because well, I, I think the bigger issue here, Jonathan, is that is that Snowden, whether he had a process available to him or not, and, and I would argue that there had to be something, that he did not believe that that process would treat him fairly. And there's a huge body of evidence to suggest that that, in fact, is the case. And Donald Trump just added to that by saying that this whistleblower should be shot or tortured or, or electrocuted or what, hanged or what, however they do it with traitors, they are yeah. spies. And, and, and well, the, so. the, the DNI ad admitted to a Democrat on the committee, he said that his behavior, uh, uh, the DNI's behavior created a chilling effect among the intelligence community because he didn't defend the intelligence community um, in the face of Trump's threats. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we need to, we need to strengthen our whistleblower laws and get back to some rational ways of running government here. Steve in Phoenix, Arizona. Steve, what's on your mind today? How many of these swamp rats can get caught up and ensnared in this uh, investigation? We've got a whole slew of them. You named a whole bunch of them. And is there a possibility of jail time for some of these ones? And we know who they are. You know, the Giuliani, Pence, uh, Mnuchin, Getz. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I, think it's, I think it's quite likely. Um, you recall that Richard Nixon had either 53 or 35, I, you know, I, I might have a little mental math dyslexia there, but one or the other uh, of the members of his administration were charged with crimes and uh, prosecuted for crimes. And as I recall, 13 or 15 of them, I'd have to go back and look at the numbers, but something like, fewer, fewer than 20 of them, but, but more than one uh, actually went to prison. And John Mitchell, his attorney general, went to prison for 19 months. So yes, Great. I think that that can one be done. And, and frankly, I think it should be done. So Steve, thank you. Steve in Portland. Hey, Steve, thanks for listening to X-Ray FM. What's up? Wouldn't you think that any world leader that would take a phone call with Donald Trump would be recording it because he's so dishonest and it seems like no matter what he says, you can't believe. I would think any world leader would be. I would, would assume that trying yeah. to record that. I would assume that um, there, there may be a few countries where they don't, where they do it the way we do. Probably Western democracies. It's well known that he uses his personal cell phone for a lot of this stuff, probably too. Yeah, and that the Chinese were running stingrays outside the White House that were, you know, man, doing the man-in-the-middle attack, basically sucking down data out of people's cell phones, presumably yeah. including Donald Trump's. So, but I know, guess if that's the case, I would think that somebody would have brought some recordings to light already with the, all the stuff that's gone on over the last three years. Yeah. It seems like somebody would have pulled something out, but yeah, yeah it's all very I bizarre. Think, I think he's being recording. Yeah. Steve, thanks for the call. Bob in uh, St. Clair Shores, Michigan. Wow, long time since I've been there. Hey, Bob, what's up? Hi, I'm just calling to find out if you think this might be the second time that Donald Trump made a uh, quid pro quo deal with a foreign country to get a political favor. Back when he made a, a deal with Qatar to get them to give uh, Jared Kushner a loan, didn't he put pressure on them economically in order to change their mind about giving Jared Kushner a loan? Yes, he, he supported the Saudi blockade of Qatar which I, weirdly is, you know, where we've got a, I think it's the sixth fleet is stationed out of there. We've got a huge military base there. It's essential to our, our uh, operations in the Gulf. And yet we supported the Saudis in shutting down the imports into Qatar and basically blockading them until they gave the money to Jared Kushner. Yeah. And by the way, that would be the, this, that would make this the third quid pro quo. The first one was when he said, Russia, if you're listening, find Hillary's emails, and I'm sure that you'll be rewarded. And uh, sure enough. Okay. 
You know? Okay, my question is, is it possible to get transcripts of his phone calls with Cutter? Oh, that would be an interesting one. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, this is something that Congress, if they're not investigating right now, they certainly should be. And frankly, I think the FBI should be investigating, you know, using a foreign government to get a billion dollars for your son-in-law. I mean, you know, basically extorting a foreign government, threatening a foreign government to get a billion dollars for your son-in-law so that he could get bailed out of his bad real estate deal at 666 Fifth Avenue. It's bizarre. Pointing out that there's a pattern to the way Donald Trump operates with his dealings with foreign governments. Yeah, well, everything's transactional. I mean, you know, he has talked about how he views everything as transactional in the past. He's talked about how everything is a deal, right, in quotes. And I think he doesn't, therefore, understand government or governance or any of these very, very real issues. And, and Bob, you, you raised an excellent point. This is how he operates. It's sad. I mean, it's, it's, it's very unfortunate for our country, bottom line. Welcome back. Uh, just kind of wrapping up our conversations here. Tim in Harpersville, New York. Hey, Tim, it says here you disagree with me about what? I disagree. I think the former vice president, vice president he investigated. Okay. He was investigated. Uh, the State Department looked into Hunter Biden's appointment to the board of that Ukrainian gas company and determined that Joe didn't even know about it, had nothing to do with it. Now, obviously, Hunter Biden was profiting off his father's name, but that's not in and of itself illegal. So they looked into it and they determined there was no there there. It's already been done. Yeah. How can he get this kind of money when he doesn't have any experience in it? No, I agree. And he just got kicked out of the Navy for cocaine. I completely agree. It's terrible. It stinks. This is a young man who really has damaged his father's reputation by profiting off his father's position. By the way, he's not the first. Jimmy Carter's brother, Billy, did the same thing. Hillary Rodham Clinton's brother, Tony Rodham, did the same thing. Richard Nixon's brother, and I'm forgetting his name now, did the same thing. I don't know that there were any Reagan relatives. The Bush relatives, they all played on their daddy's name, and they, but they became, you know, like presidents and, and governors and stuff. But still, it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for daddy's name. So nepotism, using connections with relatives, has a long and storied history. And I think this is going to hurt Joe Biden badly. I think it already has. But it's not anything like telling a foreign government that you're not going to help them defend themselves. An ally, we're not going to help you defend yourself if you don't dig up or manufacture some dirt on the guy that I'm going to be running against. That's a whole nother thing. Joe in Reno, Nevada. Hey, Joe, you want to take us back to Teapot Dome? Yes, sir. A great program. I'm a longtime listener. The Teapot Dome scandal was initiated during the Warren Harding administration. Oh, Harding. Oh, that's right, because they thought that Harding died of a heart attack or a stroke or whatever it was that killed him in office because of the Teapot Dome scandal. Am I remembering that right? Yes, sir. He died in San Francisco at the Sir Francis Drake Hotel playing a poker game. Right. And all of the issues on the Teapot Dome happened in the Harding administration. It wasn't revealed till after his passing when Calvin Coolidge took over as vice president. Uh, thank you. It had been 20 years since I'd read that history, at least, maybe more like 40 years. But, I do uh, remember you know, Albert really. Fall was the Secretary of the Navy, right? He was the guy at the heart of it? 
That's correct. Thank you, Joe. Love your program. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, and thanks for keeping me honest here. I appreciate it. Well, another day, <laughs> another step toward impeachment or resignation. I mean, you know, is he going to cut a deal? Hey, let me keep my money, keep my kids out of jail. What, you know, let Jared keep that billion dollars he got from that fund that Qatar paid for that Saudi Arabia threatened them with. Just ignore it all and let me just go back to being a normal, mobbed up crook in New York City real estate. Yeah. I, I'm increasingly thinking that the chances of that are pretty high. Anyhow, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. Get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.